Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. We're going to wrap up the week with a busy, busy show. We're going to talk a lot of markets today. Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance, will be joining us. Chris Hurt, Purdue Ag Economist, will be joining us. Chris is going to lay out a scenario, uh, an encouraging one. I mean, right now we know markets are down, a lot of trade problems, and a lot of those issues, waiting to see what's going to happen with the farm bill. But Chris will put together kind of a scenario that if everything fell into place, maybe things don't look quite so bad. We'll go through that a little bit later on. We're going to get a harvest update from Ken McCauley in uh, eastern Kansas. They're having a a rougher year than usual in that part of the country. We'll get an update from him. Uh, We're going to talk with Chris Clayton with DTN with an update on the Farm Bill, the conference committee work continuing. So we have a lot to talk about, but we're going to start things off uh, with a very special guest joining us from Washington, D.C., USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Saw him last week at Farm Progress Show. Bill, good to have you on with us. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Great to be on with you, Mike. That trip to the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa last week, probably one of the few visits you get to go back to Iowa these days, right? You're pretty busy. You know, it is. I've uh, I've just this week will be uh, six months on the job. I've been back four times. That was actually my first official visit back to Iowa. So uh, it was a great, great time to be able to uh, see lots of folks. And Farm Progress Show is always a a great place to see a lot of interesting things happen. But a lot of good friends there. and, And it was fun to be able to be there. Well, I know you're getting lots of questions about the market facilitation program. It's underway now. Can you give us an update? I sure can. Uh, we, uh, I think we're about uh, 8,500 folks have come in and started an application. I think we have about 4,000 of those, um, a little over 4,000, that have brought their production evidence in as well. Um, many of those are still waiting for a local county committee approval, but uh, we have about 200 that have already gone through that process. So those those first checks should be in the mail next week or, or electronically transferred next week uh, to folks' accounts, and I, I think we'll continue to see that number rise. I, I think we expect uh, certainly many hundred thousand, maybe six or seven hundred thousand folks uh, that will participate in the program by the time they have their harvest done and their information in, and and uh, we're able to get some support for some of those uh, tariff actions that other countries are taking on, on our ag products. Bill, what are you hearing from producers? Uh, have they questioned or been concerned about the formula or wondering how that was arrived at, or what are you hearing? You know, lots of different things. Certainly, I think a, a general appreciation, there's a, there's a recognition that that uh, ag has been unduly impacted in this. About 40% of the tariff impact uh, that others have put on products has been on our agricultural products. Uh, so we're seeing a more of an impact to individuals out here in the ag community than in, in some of the other communities, although uh, there certainly are a lot of others that are impacted. We're impacted in steel prices and other kinds of things as well. Um, but in this case, uh, the the effort to be able to look at at uh, how we would structure these is strictly looking at the tariff response uh, that others have had. And so 
when you look at uh, the example, uh, huge difference between soybeans and corn. Uh, the soybean number is $1.65 a bushel. The corn number is a penny a bushel. Uh, and that's because we have soybean exports to China that are impacted to a lot greater degree than uh, the very small amount of corn exports because the Chinese have been cutting off corn exports for a long time. So we have $14 billion worth of soybean exports. We have $150 million worth of corn exports, so about 100 times as many exports that can be impacted by that tariff. But I really think corn is one of those that uh, if we could straighten things out and get some more corn being exported and DDGs and, and ethanol, it could really benefit by this effort to be able to to true up some of this trade relationship between us and China. We're talking with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Bill, I think the question many probably corn growers in particular have had, why such a uh, difference, why such a wide margin difference between that $1.65 for uh, soybeans and just a penny for corn. Obviously, it was going to be more for soybeans, but why such a big difference? It really was looking just uh, isolating that tariff impact. Uh, so it was not a action of prices from a certain time period to now uh, trying to to say that that general price action is completely reflective of the tariff impact. This needed to be in response to tariffs, so we needed to be able to look at the uh, the dollars worth of exports uh, that are impacted by the tariff, and of course, because soybeans are are such a higher percentage exported um, and a higher amount being exported, they're going to come in for a lot more dollars than than corn, who has been impacted over the long run uh, by the biotech non-approvals in China that has limited the ability for our products to get overseas. Uh, we are not including some of the um, the other um, industrialized products like ethanol and DDGs. Uh, we're looking specifically at those ag products uh, at, in direct exports. Uh, and so when you crunch those numbers, uh, you get a significant difference in the impact uh, because of um, the tariffs uh, and, and the amount of product that's going overseas now to China. Bill, I also wanted to talk to you because a couple of things still looming, of course, Farm Bill and also budget. Uh, the House voted yesterday to go to conference on a spending package, uh, which probably would include USDA and FDA appropriations. Uh, they've got a lot to get done in a short period of time. That, that, that Those are important uh, decisions that need to be made and action that needs to be taken. They sure are, Mike. Um, as you look at uh, the clock ticking here, I look down and and uh, we're talking on the the seventh of September and and the and the the thirtieth of September. Uh, our budget runs out. The farm bill runs out. Uh, there's a lot of work to get done here in the next several weeks. Um, and uh, it's it's a struggle sometimes to get things done through Congress. So they at least if they're not going to get a budget done, there needs to be continuing resolution to to fund uh, government to stay open. Um, there's a lot of pieces here we'd like to be able to continue to deliver to producers, and I think Congress has every intention of of keeping the government open. Hopefully they have every intention of getting a budget done in time so that we have a full year spending uh, to be able to, to offer up some of the programs that people expect us to offer up, whether it's 
CRP and other kinds of programs out there. And then, of course, the Farm Bill. Uh, we certainly need that. Uh, I think there is great intention as well in getting that Farm Bill done. Uh, they don't want to add to the uncertainty out there. But there's still quite a bit of heavy lifting yet, uh, I think, that needs to happen um, on that Farm Bill. Bill, it's always good to talk with you, and we'll stay in touch and uh, always uh, appreciate your uh, analysis and perspective on uh, some key issues and uh, look forward to keeping updated on the uh, the market uh, facilitation program as well. So we'll stay in touch. Thanks. Good to talk with you again. Sounds great. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bill Northy, USDA Undersecretary. Coming up next, we're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson, grains and oil seeds analyst with Rabo AgriFinance. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. 
To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, our thanks to Bill Northey, USDA Undersecretary, for joining us. Good to hear from him and get his thoughts on the market facilitation program. Uh, already a lot of uh, producers uh, signing up for that, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that as uh, we go along here through through harvest. By the way, I am broadcasting today from Monmouth, Illinois, from the studios of our affiliate WRAM. Looking forward to moderating their Ag Roundtable coming up this afternoon here in Monmouth. Rainy day. A lot of um, harvest is on rain delay <laughs> right now. Looks like will be for a lot of areas right through the weekend. Well, let's talk uh, with Steve Nicholson now, grains and oilseeds analyst with Bravo AgriFinance. I mentioned I saw Bill Northey at Farm Progress Show last week. Saw Steve Nicholson there as well. How are you, Steve? Good. How are you today, Mike? Yeah, it was good to see you last week. Even yeah. though it was wet, wet and muddy. Yeah, and there's a lot of that now in a lot of places. It looks like it's going to be a, a really wet uh, next few days for a lot of areas uh, where farmers are trying to get harvest going. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I'm sitting in St. Louis, and they're forecasting three to five inches of rain here in St. Louis over the next really 36 hours. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, and I, it, this seems to be sort of the, the pattern we're in across the Corn Belt. Uh, we saw it in Boone last week, and you know, and, and uh, relatives in central Iowa have said they've continued. It's just been extremely wet, and you kind of wonder this harvest could get kind of drug out, which would probably be better for markets in the sense you don't get the the huge gut slot, you know, downward pressure. So that if, if there's a is a, there's a silver lining to that, that might be the silver lining. I'm getting the feeling that's we're very early on into into yeah. harvest in, in the oh, Midwest, yeah. but. But really getting the feeling, and this is not a surprise, but uh, kind of maybe, um, you know, kind of uh, reinforces what we might have thought already. Good corn crop in many areas, maybe not great, but still expecting what could be a bin buster of a bean crop. Yeah, absolutely. That that would summarize very well what we hear as well. Now, I will tell you, the corn, There's I'm on the camp that it's, it's going to be a good corn crop. It's not going to be a bin buster. Uh, but there are people out there, as you well know, Mike, that are, are looking at this and saying it, it, this yield on corn could get higher because they, because they look at the ear counts in the field. And, and there's no question the ear counts are up. It, but my question is, you know, how is that filled? Because it got awfully dry after, um, after pollination and hot. So I wonder about the fill and what that test weight's going to be. And that's really, I think, where the proof will be the pudding on that corn yield before it's all said and done. But you look at beans, boy, they, they got hot and dry. You know, beans are classic. You almost kill them, and then you give them some shot of water, and they just explode. And that's kind of what we've seen this year in beans. They got to August, survived, you know, the heat of July and first part of August, and then got those nice rains. And I, I think the bean numbers will get get higher going forward. I, I do believe that for sure. And that crop, I know a lot. we don't really need a bigger crop there, to be honest. A lot of farmers concerned with this rain and it might look at some lodging problems and things like that could be a challenging harvest. Well, I think that's right. And I had heard, and I'm probably going to say this incorrectly, I had heard here just in the last several days uh, several manufacturers um, shipping more reels 
into parts of the corn belt to do just exactly that. Try to pick this crop up off the ground and get it, you know, get it through a combine. Um, you know, back in Iowa, there had been so much rain and hail and wind that you, it, I hate to say it, but it seems like every field that you go by has had some sort of, you know, cut by a thousand deaths type of thing where they've, you know, got some corn down, they've got some stuff flattened. It just, it's going to be, a, it just feels like a difficult harvest coming on, and, you know, that's, that's disappointing, to say the least. Steve, when we're looking for some kind of positive in, in, yep. in the markets, um, I, I guess based on what we've just talked about from the uh, crop size, there's more of an opportunity maybe for some kind of a boost uh, for corn. It looks like it's yep. going to be harder to come by for soybeans unless there's some big breakthrough on trade, perhaps. Right, I, and I think that's true. I, I think that's exactly right. Is it from a from a corn perspective? I think there's more upside. And and, and let's I'm going to turn the tables a little bit and say, you know, we've seen, in my view, and I've said this since July. I, I think we saw the lows in corn and we saw the low in beans. Now, did we go back and revisit those lows? We absolutely got really close to that, and and we did see those lows revisit. But the fact is that tells you that maybe the downside potential. We don't have a lot of downside potential here, and that you know it's kind of an upside potential. Corn probably has the most because they're actually declining stocks in corn, and the market will be nervous about that. Um, and the de- you know the demand base for both corn and soybeans is still large. So if there is a little hiccup as we go along through harvest, you know that could be a little bit of an uptick both in futures and a little bit of bases uh, as people are trying to buy buy grain. Because you know you talk to farmers, what are you going to do with the crop this year? I'm going to put it away. And so that does have a little impact on bases going forward. Uh, if, you, if they if they put it away and the buyers can't get it, then the reason the way they get it get it is to you know up those bases bids in the country to try to you know coax it out of the bins. And would be interesting to know. Yeah, go it ahead. Would be interesting. Be interesting to know how much was sold ahead. I've I've already heard several say, "Oh, I sold some at a bet at a, right. a better price than we have now." I just wish wish now I'd have sold more. But uh, you know that you know at the time, who knew? But uh, that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's interesting to bring that up because we've had some questions about, you know, selling patterns by farmers. And, and I looked for the last, over the last 21 years, looked at corn, wheat, and soybean sales, percent sales by month is what USDA publishes and what they put out. And surprising, and, and my hypothesis was that those, those levels of sales have flattened out. Rather than to have those big peaks on corn in October and January, maybe those peaks have come down and flattened out. And the honest-to-goodness truth is that hasn't happened. We, the pattern of sales is still is very similar to what it was 20 years ago, as it was 10 years ago, as it was five years ago. Um, now it doesn't give you what price they were sold at, and it doesn't tell you what price, you know, or what time period they made that sale. It just tells you when the sales were made, um, you know, what month they were sold. So, it, it delivery month. So that was interesting, kind of an interesting insight looking forward. Um, you know, a lot of those sales were done. But you're absolutely right. Everyone wishes they had wish woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering about the storage this fall. I would think it's going to be stretched pretty thin, and uh, yep. I wonder how many piles we're going to see out on the ground. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. In that same in that same research we're doing, looking at storage capacity, and you can look at it on December one because that's when you get the storage information and you get basically your highest stocks level. A year ago, on farm, off farm storage was at the high, highest level on an aggregate on the country about that, you know, 70, 71% lab area. You start looking at the, you know, we'll pick on the I-states. Um, you know, those numbers were a lot higher. They were up at 80s and 90%, you know, storage capacity. Um, so there could be a little bit of, uh, of you know, backup um, when we 
get to harvest because places are full. Uh, one of the one of the other things I've heard um, also in that in the, around the country is a lot more use of bags this year. Uh, people use bags in the last couple years have had success with it, and we see a lot more a lot more dis- discussion about that and wanting to use bags. So I think that will be the other other piece that you know we won't be able to capture because there's no way to really capture that data to say oh do how many bags are on the ground. But that may help ease the pain so to speak. And and if we don't see that capacity utilization of storage go up this fall or on December 1, um, that may be sort of a signal that there was a lot more bags used than we thought. Um, so that'll be an interesting interesting trend to watch going forward. Yeah, well, um, if they get a NAFTA deal done, and we're still waiting on that, but <laughs> if, if that happens here relatively soon, how much of a, a boost to the market? How, what kind of reaction do you think that would give to the market? Yeah, I, I will say it mostly impacts corn. Uh, because that's the crop that's really more impacted when it goes. Because Mexico's our number one, our number one uh, customer of U.S. corn. You know, in addition to Farm Progress, we had that you know that question a number of times as well, and and people said and people were sort of exasperated, like, well, gosh, we got a NAFTA thing done, or must have, if you want to call it that. Why didn't the corn market grow? And I I think the concern is it's a timing issue. If this was um, you know, spring or middle of the summer, this is done, I think it would have more of a boost to the market. But right now the market is more impacted and more focused on the fact is we've got a big corn crop and a big soybean crop coming. So the fundamentals are really putting a, a damper, I think, on corn in particular with with a NAFTA reboot, if you have it. And that's, that's disappointing, uh, but at the same time, I think we have to go back and think about corn to Mexico. Mexico didn't have a lot of, oppor- you know, have a lot of other choices. I mean, they kind of had their first two choices were the United States and the United States, and then they had the third choice of going maybe to Argentina. But think about Mexico. You know, they've been able to bring corn in either by barge or they brought it by rail from the United States. Well, to bring, you know, bring vessels in, they don't really have the port capacity for that. So they're, they're a little bit hamstrung as they don't have a place to go other than to come to the United States for the majority of their corn. So that's part of why we've seen a little damper. And you haven't seen the big, you know, Corn didn't get hit as hard as soybeans did when you look at you know the drop off because of the tariffs to China. So we'll see how this plays out. It's going to be interesting, Steve. Thanks as always. Good to talk with you. Good to talk to you, Mike. Thank you very much. You bet, Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo AgriFinance. We'll talk more about the markets and how all this could be pieced together to make it a little better than it looks right now for farmers as far as income is concerned. We're going to talk with uh, with Purdue University. Ag economist Chris Hurt. That's coming up next, right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month, and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. 
With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Lean hog futures cooling off after the recent rally. Nearby, October lean hogs rallied the limit yesterday as China reported new cases of African swine fever. The Food and Agriculture Organization of the U.N. saying Friday the African swine fever spreading rapidly in China. Here to stay, adding it was almost certain to spread to other Asian countries. October lean hogs down a half dollar at 54.42. Live cattle futures treading water near unchanged as we await cash cattle activity in the south. Bids expected to redevelop at 105 to 107 live, 170 dressed early on this Friday. Asking prices though, some four to six dollars above those levels. A dime to 15 cents lower in feeder cattle an hour into the day on Friday. The grains awaiting fresh input in the way of new USDA numbers next week. The Ag Department will come out with new world ag supply demand estimates. Soybean futures trending three to five cents higher. Old crop corn and soybean carryout numbers expected to tighten up a bit in next week's report. Meanwhile, China's customs regulator saying Friday that China has signed an agreement with Ethiopia paving the way for future imports of soybeans from that African country. In corn, we're treading water near unchanged on this Friday, December at 366 a bushel. In the wheats, we are two to five lower in Chicago and in Kansas City. Minneapolis spring wheat, two and a fraction lower as well. December Chicago broke down to a new low for the current selling wave on Thursday. Outside markets on this Friday, the Dow down 41, NASDAQ up 19, Crude oil down half a dollar. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back again, broadcasting today from uh, our affiliate in Monmouth, Illinois, WRAM. Later today, I'll be hosting their Ag Roundtable. Looking forward to that. Uh, Just a quick note on the Farm Bill, and we hope to get an update here later in the program from Chris Clayton with DTN. But it sounds like things have kind of slowed a bit. Uh, We had mentioned this week that uh, House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway had made a proposal, kind of a compromise proposal on uh, the nutrition 
uh, portion of the Farm Bill that's such a major hurdle right now. But that has not been very well accepted, it seems. Senate Ag Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow describing the offer as not even close to being something the Senate could accept. And um, also Chairman Roberts saying that it uh, looks like after a good day on Wednesday, uh, they've kind of backed off a bit. Uh, things not going as well yesterday. So, uh, they, you know, they're on a short uh, schedule here to try to get this done by the end of the month. And... Uh, Looks like they've hit another snag. So we'll get an update on that a little bit later on. Well, let's go back to the markets and the economic situation right now and bring in Purdue Ag Economist Chris Hurt. Chris, thanks for joining us. You and I were talking yesterday that with all the negativity with the markets right now, uh, if we if you put a few things together, if things broke just right, you could paint a scenario where things might not look quite as bad. Kind of take us through that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. And again, uh, I have a perspective of eastern Corn Belt where we have, it looks like, very good yields. And uh, that is the start, I think, of maybe a little better returns than what uh, a lot have been thinking in agriculture. If you have more bushels to sell, that obviously helps, even though these prices are terribly depressed at this point. Uh, But a second point to say is that uh, the corn situation in terms of supply and demand uh, looks very friendly. You know, we've got a lot of depression in these corn prices now, but world inventories of corn have really come down. Uh, we have uh, a big crop, 14.6 billion bushels or so, but you know what? We're going to eat more than that. We're going to use more than that. It's a very big crop, but we even need more than that to keep our inventories constant. They're coming down, and I think that says there's some rally potential in corn, at least more so than beans until until we can get the tariffs settled. So you put together higher yields, corn and beans, you look at higher prices on corn, USDA is using 20 cents higher than last year, and then you look at the market facilitation payments that are certainly a significant number on soybeans for those of us who have a lot of soybeans, and Eastern Corn Belt is heavy on soybeans this year. And when we put all those things together, we're actually looking at returns being better uh, for the 18 crop than they were for the 17 crop. So I I think uh, those are some of the factors we start with. Uh, Then I'm going to add another factor, and that is that we see so much depression on price and basis here at harvest time that we have really strong premiums for uh, storing corn and soybeans and selling those for later delivery on into spring or summer. Now, on uh, soybeans, we've got about 60 cents of carry, excuse me, on corn, we've got about 60 cents of carry from in the eastern corn belt from harvest out to, say, early uh, summer. And on soybeans, that's nearly a dollar a bushel. So you, I think this is a year we're going to have to try to capture all those gains from storage. And I'm a believer that we have some speculative opportunities on the upside as well. Then if we would happen to get some good news on trade, that would that would help even more. Well, I think on the soybeans, you know, we have to recognize that we are going to miss most of the export season, uh, the prime export season for China. That's really October, November, December, January, and some into February. We're largely going to miss that uh, because of the tariffs that are in place at this point. So I don't think we can really talk about recovery back to $10 plus soybeans, but certainly a recovery of, from where we are at this point, $0.50 cents to 
a dollar twenty-five a bushel if we get the tariffs settled. Now, when that occurs, can make a lot of difference. Uh, as I've already said, assuming we can't get it settled before the end of this year, that means we largely lost a lot of the shipment opportunities to China that we normally would have in the October, November, December, January timeframe. So there's some opportunities here, although I think of uh, farmers in some areas like northern Missouri. If you don't have yield this year because of the drought, and that's certainly going to impact your uh, market facilitation program payment as well, uh, it, it's a tougher it's a tougher situation to try to make uh, you know make it look better. Uh, you you outlined a, a scenario for those with good yields, but it's going to be tougher for some of those other folks. No, I think there's no question. We have to be very sensitive to those who uh, already were in tight tight financial situation. If you don't have yield, uh, you you are really going to struggle this year. Uh, looks like a tough year. Maybe some of the other USDA. Uh, loan programs may help. <clears throat> crop crop insurance may help as well. Chris, I want to switch to uh, the livestock side, especially with pork. Uh, African swine fever in China. What what could be the impact of that overall, even with the trade issues we have with China right now? Well, obviously, uh, China has the money to buy more pork from the world if they need that. Uh, as a government, they're oriented to feeding their people and making sure people have the kind of food products they're interested in. And so I think here is the opportunity that we have to uh, look at the U.S. with very large supplies of pork this fall, uh, with depressed prices this fall, and the opportunity certainly to supply China with more pork. Now, again, China raises 97% of the pork that they consume. They import about 3%, but that 3% uh, could be very significant this year, especially if they have severe uh, African swine fever and have to uh, have major imports. At this point, they're trying to get it under control. It's a difficult disease to control, so it's going to be in the market. But uh, again, we tend to have had pretty depressed uh, lean hog futures, and, and my sense is that with the African swine fever concerns that the uh, lean futures have been uh, probably excessively depressed and may not be quite as uh, weak as what the market has perceived in recent weeks. Let's look at the cattle market. It it looks like, and we know we have plenty of meat, uh, but it looks like demand has been holding very well, too. Well, I think it has been, and, uh, you know, a little bit of surprise in all the tariff talk and tariffs and retaliatory tariffs that we have seen much heavier impact on the pork side. Uh, That really is the exports both to China on pork and the uh, exports to uh, Mexico, that those two represent about 9%. We don't have that much uh, beef affected, but but I think uh, beef overall has done pretty well. We normally see lows in the cattle market in the very late summer and see improvement as we go to the fall. And I think that's what we're going to continue to see this year. So right now, uh, tariffs haven't affected the beef side very much. Demand remains strong. But as you point out, the competition is going to be quite heavy with beef from the poultry sector as well as the pork sector this fall and continuing into 2019. So when it comes to... uh 
production. What what's the signal to beef and pork producers as they make plans for next year? Well, I think the signal uh, on the cattle side is uh, probably pretty steady as you go. I, I think the signals financially are be very cautious about retaining heifers and expanding the cow herd. Uh, so really flattening out the the expansion that we've been under for a number of years now. On the hog side, I think the signal is losing a lot of money this fall. Uh, excess production, some problems from the tariffs. Uh, don't make any major decisions to pour more concrete, to expand at this point, that we're going to have to level off our production and certainly not see expansion and uh, give demand uh, a year or two to catch up with this big supply that we have and get us back to profitable prices. So uh, we probably aren't going to contract the hog industry. That is where we see a reduction in the number of breeding herd animals. Uh, That's probably an old concept, but really leveling off that expansion pretty much to zero is what we would try to encourage for the pork industry in 2019. Finally, Chris, do you see any backups? we, We have some plants coming online, but do we have the capacity to handle this? Yeah, I think so. Again, uh, the capacity can be, there's some flexibility on capacity, uh, Saturday runs, uh, uh, double shifting opportunities. But what has to be in place is the expectation that the hog numbers are going to be there. So with the expansion we have, with the new plants that are, are still getting up to total efficiency, I think we'll have the slaughter capacity. Uh, but that has been a concern about uh, my guess is we'll make it through uh, reasonably here this fall and not constrain that ca- that capacity. All right, Chris, always good to talk with you, and thanks for uh, uh, putting together a, a more positive scenario. We have to kind of put all the moving parts together, but for some it could work out to be better than, than it looked like it might be. Thanks for um, giving us a, a little more optimistic note going into the weekend here. Okay, uh, enjoyed being with you. Take care, Chris. Purdue Ag Economist Chris Hurt joining us. All right, we still have a lot to get to. I want to get a harvest update. Uh, Ken McCauley uh, farms in eastern Kansas, and that's usually what we call the garden spot, but they're having a rougher year this year. Ken sent me a picture earlier where things not looking quite as good as usual. We'll get a quick update from him. Then we'll check in with Chris Clayton with DTN, see what's going on with the farm bills. I mentioned uh, things seem to be kind of slowing down, kind of hit a snag there as they try to work through their differences between the House and Senate bills. So uh, we'll get an update on that as well. Still lots to come. One more segment to go. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My employees and I would like to thank you for making MyPillow possible. Years ago, when I invented MyPillow, I thought I was the only one out there with problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I'd flip-flop all night, or wake up with a sore neck or headache. So that's why I invented MyPillow. You can adjust MyPillow's patented fill to your exact individual needs to help you get to sleep faster and stay there longer to get the quality sleep you need. I back it with my 10-year warranty and my 60-day money-back guarantee. And now to thank you, I'm bringing back my best offer ever. 
buy one of my MyPillows and get another one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. That's right, it's back. Buy one MyPillow and get a second one free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, Mobile Help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free Mobile Help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. 
Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. I uh, want to get a harvest update from uh, eastern, I guess, northeastern Kansas, we could say. Ken McCauley is with us. Ken, you sent me a picture. That doesn't look like a, a typical cornfield in, in the garden spot of America. Uh, good morning, Mike. No, it's not. And I just just want to say it's not everywhere, but we got caught in a stressed place that was really dry right around our house and just happens to be where most of my corn is this year. So... I'm going to harvest the poorest crop I think I've ever had in my almost 50 years of putting corn in the ground. So, you know, I don't want anybody to go start a GoFundMe page or anything. It's just <laughs> fine. But it's, <laughs> it's not just... a very good deal. We'll probably start on Monday or Tuesday here. It's really wet now. I was going to ask you, have you started at all yet? Well, everybody's ready. My brother has started, and they... They hit it pretty hard for a little while, and and you know you go south of our house, uh, fifteen miles, and it gets better. It's just uh, it was just dry, really dry in the garden spot, as everybody seems to call this my farm. It's depressing to look at it because this stuff is is really really it just broke off from stress and kind of had a mini tornado went through and it broke some hmm. more off. It's pretty bad. Wow. Um, are you getting the rain this weekend that a lot of other areas are getting? I think we lucked out on this one. It looks like uh, Missouri and maybe even your area is going to get the bulk of that uh, hurricane rain. We're getting some, you know, fog and mist and things, but we haven't really got any big rain out of this uh, this stuff in the last couple of days. Okay. Um, how do your beans look? Are you expecting a big crop there? Well, the beans look really good, uh, <laughs> along with everything else. We had a hail go through last Friday, a week ago, wow. and, and uh, they got hit, too. <laughs> so <laughs> we're getting just about everything, Mike. But uh, the beans do look really good. I think they need some sunshine and some heat, but they're potted good, and, and you know, they we've got a lot of hope for them. You know, the law of averages finally caught up with you. I know, and you know how that goes. It's just That's just part of the deal. We've been... Uh, We've been in a good spot for a long time, so I'm one real willing to take one for the team, Mike. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be better than uh, than it looks. I'll, uh, I'll wait to hear from you once you get the combine rolling, okay? Yeah, i got to make sure you know that I'm not the only one. There's a lot of right. other guys in the same ship. So, so yeah. good to hear from you're, you. You're covering yourself for when you go to the coffee shop, aren't you? <laughs> Probably lunch today. <laughs> Yeah, very good. All right, Ken, thanks a lot, and we'll check back in when, uh, when you get the rolling, okay? All right, thanks. Thanks, Ken. Ken McCauley, who farms in northeastern Kansas. So usually they you know, have very, very good crops. It's been, a, as you heard, much a tougher year for them this year. Well, it sounds like things are good, tough going again on the farm bill. It looked sounded pretty positive on Wednesday, and we heard about a compromise being offered on nutrition by uh, House Chair 
Ag Committee Chair Conaway, and now we're hearing that uh, that's not being very well received on the Senate side, so it looks like things have kind of bogged down. Let's get an update from DTN's Chris Clayton. Chris, uh, what are you seeing and hearing uh, in the conference committee? Well, uh, first of all, good morning, Mike. But uh, from what I understand, I, I guess maybe particularly Senator Debbie Stabenow has, uh, has rejected the proposal that was offered by Conaway. We, we don't know exactly what the details were on that, but um, she made it clear that it was not something that the Senate could accept, and, uh, and, and that's kind of where they're at right now. And the clock is ticking because the uh, House calendar really only has seven days left in the month for them working. They're out the entire week of the 17th. So, uh, you know, they may be able to uh, have some talks uh, amongst themselves, but, you know, you, your, your, child, your clock is ticking pretty quickly. And really, even though you've got a big committee, I mean, the talks that really matter are between that big four, Conaway, Peterson, Roberts, and Stabenow. They've got to be able to come to some kind of consensus. They do, and, you know, if you listen to the hearings uh, the other day or the uh, meeting the other day, it wasn't just SNAP, but there seemed to be a lot of uh, disagreement on uh, conservation, what to do with CSP particularly, whether to uh, keep it or, uh, as the House does, roll it into uh, uh, the uh, EQIP program. Um, and, and what I also understand is that there's some problems with the numbers on changes in ARC and PLC, they're looking at cost estimates to try to maybe beef up those programs a little bit, and they're going to have to make some changes if they want to uh, improve those programs. It makes getting it done in September already a difficult task. It's starting to sound like it's going to be uh, maybe too big a hill for them to climb. Now, they can they can still work something out, no doubt, but it, it sounds like it could get pushed past the end of this month. I, I think that's highly likely. I mean, it just seems like there's a marathon worth of work uh, for them to uh, marry up these two bills. There are an awful lot of differences, and uh, it just seems that it's going to probably go past September, primarily also because this Congress really ought to be focusing on mainly getting the appropriations done and ensuring that the government will um, – be funded after September 30th. I think that having a government shutdown is, uh, is far more significant to a larger group of people, obviously, than getting the farm bill done on September 30th. Right. Uh, we're going to, I think, as that looms more and more, that's going to start uh, taking precedent and uh, push the farm bill back a little bit more. So we'll see how that plays out. But it uh, sounds like after all this time, there's still, there's still, uh, you know, at, at heads, you know, butting heads over some of the same issues they've been throughout this whole process. Yeah, you know, I, the House and Senate obviously have very different takes on what ought to be happening with SNAP, and uh, that right there, that one single issue is uh, uh, is going to be critical. But again, there are all of these other smaller pieces that. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody has concerns about, you know, Southern lawmakers were particularly concerned about how the Senate uh, treats um, income, for instance, and things like that. So a lot of changes have to happen for you finally get a uh, final bill. A lot of work yet to do. Chris, thanks for the update. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, and have a good weekend, all right? You, You too. 
Chris Clayton with DTN, update on the Farm Bill. All right, busy show today. Still lots going on. Uh, we have uh, knew this was going to be a busy week coming off uh, Labor Day, and, you know, a lot of this is going to carry right over into next week. Farm Bill, NAFTA, and all those things. We'll keep you up to date. Have a great weekend. Hope you'll join us again on Monday for AOA, Adams on Agriculture. <music> 